Hey everyone, welcome to the Self-Awareness Journey Podcast. I'm Melissa Albers. And I'm JJ Parker. This podcast is for seekers, seekers of happiness and joy, seekers of a centered approach to success in life, seekers of their true authentic selves. Get ready for some real talk on everything from anxiety, emotions, and habits to love, compassion, and forgiveness. We know you'll be challenged and enlightened by this conversation. We're so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Melissa, today we have uh, our friend Chris with us on the pod. Yay, a special guest. Hi, Chris. Hey, Chris. hey everybody. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about PTSD. Yes. Which is a pretty heavy topic. Um, Chris has got some experience uh, with this topic um, that I'm really looking forward to hearing about. Yeah, me too. Chris, thank you so much for sharing your personal journey because I think it's real easy to read about stuff and get into the world of theory about certain topics. And boy, oh boy, it's a lot different when it's a personal experience. And um, we're just looking forward to you being able to share with us today. So thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you for thank you for having me. And, and I truly hope that uh, this this helps uh, this helps other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Chris, why don't you just share with us like your your brief your brief story, like um, your, your experience, um, in the military and, and, and how you got to where you are now. Yeah. Um, so the, the journey began when I was, uh, 18, uh, I made a decision to join the Minnesota army national guard to help uh, cover my college expenses. I, uh, actually enlisted in 2000, uh, February of 2000, and I was scheduled to ship out to, um, basic training on September 11th, which, uh, we all know, uh, really, uh, really changed the, the trajectory of everyone's uh, deployments and uh, the hmm. time in the service going forward from that point. So um, I, uh, I found myself in a very, uh, very difficult situation where I was getting deployed frequently. Uh, specifically, the deployment that I'll kind of point to was my time that I spent in Iraq. So Chris, just like, just a pause for a second. The time between like when you kind of enlisted and the point when you were deployed, that that's like a very short amount of time. Correct. Yeah. Well, yes, it was five years. Um, yeah, well, four, pardon me. It was four years. It was four mm -hmm. years from the time that I enlisted to being Until deployed. Until you got, got deployed. It. Got it. Okay. Yep. Yep. And if you account for basic training and advanced training, those are things you have, everyone in the military has to do that before they'll deploy you, mm. um, you know, probably about three years. Hmm. So, wow. Like, three okay. Year okay. Okay. So Iraq. Yeah. Um, so the, this, this is my experience and I want to preface everything that I say today is this is Chris's unique experience. Every single person in the military has their unique experience. It's unique to them, their time, their job. Um, this was my experience. Right. Um, I was trained to work on radar systems and to do air defense artillery. So shoot the enemy's air, aircraft out of the sky. Uh, when I got to Iraq, they walked us up to a bunch of very old Humvees and said, you are going to run convoys and you're going to run the convoys in these. And uh, wow. to say that they uh, didn't look safe was an understatement. <laughs> um, <laughs> they had cloth for the doors. So um, wow. it, yeah, so it was it was a little overwhelming uh, to you know to say the least. So yeah, my my time uh, in my mission uh, w originally it was to do convoys up and down 
uh, you know, Iraq, uh, and it kind of transformed from convoys to also doing patrols. And then towards the back half of my time, um, I started to get interested in technology and I started flying drones and, um, you know, that was, that was an interesting, hmm. um, thing that happened. That was nice change hmm. of pace from convoys and patrols. Um, yeah. So, so, so tell us, um, when do you think your journey with PTSD began? Oh, I would say anyone who knew they were going to be deployed to Afghanistan or Iraq, uh, if they're being honest, it, it started before they got there <laughs> because yeah. you, um, you, you can't not see the videos of fellow soldiers, um, dying. You can't, mm -hmm. you can't not see that. You can't not read about that. Uh, so you take that, um, into account every night, uh, that you're training to get deployed, uh, over there. So I would say that it started before I ever got there. Wow. Um, this like sense of anxiety and like, oh my gosh, is it going to be me? Is it going to be my friends? What can I do to, uh, to prevent this from happening? Very little yeah. <laughs> as it turns out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like during the time you, you, during, during the time you were deployed, I mean, you said like, is it me? Is it my friend? Like that sense of like you're in jeopardy, your life's in jeopardy that entire time span. That's that was your day to day. Yeah, like pretty much every day is like, like mm. that worry that that you might, you know, like you might be killed that day. Yeah, and it and it and it's it's interesting because it's like you think about your job, your nine to five job that we mm -hmm. have, or your school routine that you have, and you know you would think that it's just dangerous and you can just like you know, something bad will happen to you when you're actually outside the, outside the wire doing, doing the missions. But the, our bases got bombed and rocketed so frequently. And again, this is my experience depends right, on where right, you right. were stationed. Sure. Of um, course. And the yeah, time you, you, you know, you, it wasn't really ever like, Hey, I'm going to kick my legs up and it's cool. Now I'm fine. I'm safe. Mm. I, right. You never, you, you never had that sense. So you're like you're, you're on edge all the time. Correct. 24 hours a day. I remember when we were talking about having you on the pod a long time ago, maybe it was even like last summer when we talked about it, you threw out just in a really short conversation, you threw out some stats that were so powerful to me as it related to your, uh, do you call them a platoon or what do you call your group? I'm sorry, I don't have the lingo right. Our, yeah, so our entire entity was, yep. was, the, was a brigade. A brigade, um, okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. So our brigade. Um, I think maybe you're talking about the stats of uh, soldiers um, that we lost mm -hmm. on the deployment. Yeah. Yes. I recall. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, on on, on the deployment, um, you know, total we lost more more soldiers, but in totality to combat operations, we lost nine. And um, when you fast forward, that was you know we left country in 2007. That deployment started in 2005. We left, came back home 2000, the end of 2007. Um, to date, uh, we have now tripled the amount of loss lives lost just to suicide. Um, in other words, it was safer to be a soldier in our brigade in Iraq than it was to come home. Your chances of living were higher. And um, and and. Uh, so every so I have to tell you the last time that you told me that I got goosebumps everywhere and my stomach got so sick like just thinking about that was so um it's o overwhelming emotionally so I I want to just ask you specifically 
um, because right here, I think, is one of the critical reasons we're talking about PTSD is because PTSD and several other issues of anxiety are lead leading cause of suicide. Our suicide yeah. numbers are going are skyrocketing today, right? And I, I wondered if I could just ask you a few questions for us, like the average listeners, right? Just trying to understand this, um, emotionally understand it from the self-awareness journey. It's like, we, this is what we do. We talk about stuff like this from a different perspective. Can you describe, Chris, what does PTSD feel like? <laughs> yeah. Um, I So I think that it... Um, for me, again, this is my unique experience. For me, this is what it feels like. Uh, if you can imagine um, two invisible walls, like like putting pressure on you, like from both both sides, like it, you can't go left, you can't go right, um, and they just kind of keep closing in on you. Your heart rate, uh, for me, my heart rate always increases. Uh, I get very tense. I can feel it throughout my entire body, like the this as that transition is happening, you, you become hyper alert based on the type of PTSD I've experienced. I think that for, you know, there, there's other reactions that you can have. You can freeze up and just close down. Um, you can get very aggressive. There, there's lots of different reactions that people have. My mine was just, uh, now I'm on edge, hyper alert time. Everything around me is a threat. It, it feels like everything in my environment could hurt me. Uh, or or hurt people that I care about, and I and I need to be thinking about all of those things, and I need to be ready. Like, um, so it, it it takes a lot out of you to be in that state. Um, it is it's terrible. <laughs> it sounds terrible. Yeah, it sounds terrible. And and um, I, I'm just curious. Like, so have you been able to pinpoint? if there are particular triggers that push you to that point or do they come up and sneak up and grab you? Yeah. I, I think that for, for me, at least just my personal experience, when I came back, I told myself I was fine. You're, you're great. You got through, you got through you you made know, it. the, the you longest made it. deployment in the history of the military. Um, and you're great. You're fine. Um, you don't need help. And, you know, I very quickly started to realize like every day, multiple times a day, those invisible walls were coming down on me and it's like, whoa, um, you know, and the way that I reacted to that trigger, which there were several that I wasn't aware of until I, I eventually sought out help. But um, the catalyst for me to actually go and find help was my only sense of comfort when I was overseas was always being armed to the teeth, like that's how I protected myself. That's how I protected the people that were around me. So I carried all the time um, when I first came back. And I, I got to the point where I, I was putting a firearm into my backpack and I'm like, what am I doing? I, why am I doing this? Like, I'm not being shot at every day. I'm not being, there's, there is no threat. There is no immediate threat. All of this is, is a perception and something's not right with me. And I'm like, I, I, I need to do something. Like, that was that was the day. I, I remember it distinctly. I'm like, nope, I didn't put it in there. I'm like, I'm going to get help instead. Um, took myself out of college and went to the VA and um, sought out help. 
Melissa and I are huge self-awareness nerds. We've been working on this stuff for a really long time, and we love talking about it and sharing it with all of you. We've actually brought all of the stuff we've made into an online course, and we think it's really great. The course starts by learning about yourself and how your mind-body connection works. It dives into your thoughts and feelings and then helps you learn how to become your true authentic self. Start your journey today. Head to the selfawarenessjourney.com to learn more and sign up. So, JJ, I'm sorry. I'm, no, I just I, keep, keep I, rolling. Am I inter- sorry? I don't mean to. But I, I think that this is also another. I remember us talking about this, and I've also heard of this a number of times. Is that the resources, so I'm not going to call out the VA, but that is one of the resources. There's There are other resources that handle PTSD, but I feel like they're extremely challenging for people that are in dire need. It's extremely challenging for them to get access in a timely manner, right? Yes. Like, so for you, when you were at full cry, I mean, that must have been really hard for you trying to figure out how you would be best supported. Yeah. And the thing that was challenging for me, I spent 912 days on active orders, getting trained for that deployment, being on that deployment. And the military spent five days reintegrating me back into society. And I do remember like when we were going through that, they were asking me like, hey, are you ready to reintegrate? Nope. I (laughs) said, nope, I don't think I'm ready. Don't worry about it. Your home base will take care of you. And um, there's this term, uh, you might have heard about this, uh, in movies, but a stop loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a mechanism that the military can invoke uh, to keep you on active orders. So in other words, while I was deployed, I had actually fulfilled my original contract uh, obligation to the service, which was six, six years of active duty service and two years inactive. So they put me on stop loss, so I could not come home. So I was extended. So when I came back to the U.S., I, I, was, I had no home base. I was done with the military. That was it. Um, wow. For, for, like it was very, like it was abrupt. Yes. Right. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Wow. So it was basically on you then to figure it out. I mean, really not, yes. not to sound harsh, but it really was. And like, you know, JJ and I talk about people having anxiety. We, we talk about these hard emotions that we deal with all the time. And yet, um, you know, normally you think, well, let's see if you're having anxiety, you can go see a therapist you know, um, and the therapist will be able to help you out. And here's some ideas. And even therapy is like backlogged right now. People can't get into it. Right. Mm-hmm. But something so specialized as this, Chris, seems to me um, like the specialty of it seems like it would make it even more challenging and more difficult to seek out exactly what's going to help you. And yeah. when you're in a state of emotional turmoil, um, uh, advocating for yourself in that moment seems like it would be extremely challenging. Yeah. I, I I also just wanted to ask, I remember you talking too about your particular case was so unique because your group was there the longest, right? You talked a little bit about that and, and ensuing, the ensuing change that happened as a result. Would you mind just telling that little bit of the story too? Yeah. Um, so uh, we are on the longest deployment in the history of the military, longer than even in World War II. Uh, and they actually, Congress passed a law that no unit could ever be deployed that long ever again. Um, <laughs> I, I do wow. believe we're at something like 
something percent of anyone who was married going into that deployment is now divorced. Um, and then, of course, the terrible stats around the soldiers we lost in country and the ones that have chosen to take their lives after. Um, yeah, it's just we're not human beings are not designed uh, for uh, several years of trauma uh, no. like that. No, no, no. And there's just not a great process when you come home. Yeah. So as like, as a, like just regular citizen, I've always just assumed that there was support for soldiers coming home. I just like, for whatever reason, I never questioned it. I thought, nope, all these folks that are serving, when they come home, they have all of the support and resources they need. And it wasn't until I met you, Chris, when you said, Hey, that's not the case. It's mm -hmm. actually really far from that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, which was like shocking to me. Like I, I couldn't, I, I didn't really, I couldn't really believe it. Like, how could that, how could that mm -hmm. be? Um, it, I should, I, if I can, JJ, I just want to make sure I clarify one thing. Cause I don't want to discredit all the branches of the service mm -hmm. because right, of course, they of do, course. they do depending on if you come home and you're still on orders, if you're active duty, uh, they do have two week reintegration programs. Um, they do have, uh, processes in place. Like if you're on active duty orders. So my experience was not active duty, army, Navy, Marines. I know that most of those organizations do have some things in place, but specifically where I have noticed the gap and I've done research on this, the gap is for army national guardsmen when they yep. come home. Those men and women, when they come home, if they are not still on orders or if they are still not serving and they're done, there is nothing. Hmm. Yeah. And I want to say, too, and you've made it, you've been very um, respectful in all of your feedback, Chris, which I completely appreciate. You've been very careful to say this is just my experience and you're not making any hit on any of our military and no one takes it that way. Like this is, this is, we have these conversations. They're not easy conversations to have, but we simply do it with the pure intent of helping people. And yeah. that's what this is about. And so I, I am so appreciative of you sharing some of this stuff because it's just, um, it's, it just, it's heartbreaking. Honestly, this is just a heartbreaking thing to think about. Let me ask you something to be a little more, um, so we don't like leave everybody laying on their backs and sobbing after this. <laughs> you know, from your perspective, what what are some ways that you can get so? How, what's the best way to support someone that has PTSD? What are things that you appreciate and think would be helpful for listeners if they know of someone that's dealing high anxiety, PTSD, and those type, types of things? You have any ideas? Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> this is, this is great. Cause on that journey that I've been on, I discovered a lot of the wrong ways, uh, to get that help. And I think, you know, anyone who's being honest, it, you don't need to go to combat to, to figure out what the wrong ways are to deal with PTSD. Um, but for me, um, I, I think the, um, the, the things that are actually driving success, you know, good outcomes, um, for, from a therapy standpoint, um, the VA has some really good programs. Cognitive reprocessing therapy is the, uh, that's the therapy that worked for me. Uh, there are others out there. Um, they're, they're 
they're all out there. I, I, I can rattle off yeah. a few of them if you're interested. Otherwise, yeah. um, well, I, you, you I think Google you it. can list a couple would be really helpful for people. And then, um, and then I would also just like to ask like people like us, like JJ and I, we get to see you, we get to be around you. How can we support you? Like, how can just people, normal folks support the, those they love and care about when they know they're suffering from this? So those are yeah. the two pieces I was curious about. Okay. Yeah. Um, so how, so I'll just a few other things that I yep. know are proven and can work. Uh, there is a uh, procedure that can be done. It's an outpatient procedure uh, where they uh, work on the stellate uh, ganglion uh, block. It's a SGB. Uh, that has been proven to reduce the symptoms of PTSD. It's an outpatient surgery. You can, you can find those procedures across the country. Uh, you can um, get yourself connected with other veterans um, that come out. Like, like when you lose the camaraderie that you have when you're deployed, because that is one of the things that I, I, I yearn for. Um, whenever I am around other soldiers who have had those experiences, I always feel a lot better because um, it gives you um, that, yeah, you get that, that sense of like uh, yeah. uh, EMR, um, eye movement desensitization. Um, I know that that's worked for some of the folks uh, that I've spoken to, um, and, it, and then cognitive reprocessing therapy. And the eye movement, um, the EMR that you're referring to is a regular thing that there are actually a few people in Minneapolis that specialize in that. And it is also now used on therapy, not just military, but for other folks that are dealing with anxiety. So it's, that's a great thing too. Yeah. Okay. So those are great. Those are great tools and great, um, Big, bigger things. How about just natural support? Are there things? And you may say, I don't know, but I was just curious. Like, are there things that you really appreciate that others can do to support you? Um, I so for me, this this has been really a, a blessing getting to be connected with you and JJ mm -hmm. uh, because you have a platform. Maybe this reaches somebody, and yeah. maybe they they hear about a, a guy named Chris who was deployed for a long time who went mm -hmm. through. Uh, similar struggles uh, and you know he went and sought out help and it was hard and it you know and it worked for him and it's worth um, it mm -hmm. yeah it, I would just encourage people to if, if you're noticing someone that is dealing with that to let them know there are healthy options that actually work um, and because I, I think you do feel kind of helpless like before yeah. I was introduced to some of these therapies I just assumed the only way I could get better is if I was on drugs of some yep. some type of a pill, right. um, and I didn't want to be on a pill, right. and I also didn't want to continue to do the the, the other unhealthy things that I, I yeah. need to mention those. But um, yeah. I think yeah. that's really normal, though. I think people just get to a point where they're so desperate they'll do absolutely anything to try to feel better, and you know that I think that's a real normal human condition. So, Chris, mm -hmm. like, is during your days? This will be the last time I I ask around this, but I think it's really helpful for people to have a, a sense of being able to support you, you know, like, so if you're having a triggered moment or you're really str struggling, is it helpful if people say something to you or they just show kindness, um, give you more grace? Do you just prefer to be left alone? Do you like to be hugged? Like, what are some strategies, day, just day-to-day -day strategies that you have found helpful, if any? Uh, so I, that, that, that's hard, that's hard to answer. 
mm -hmm. uh, because I don't really ever ask for help. Right. Um, well, I, I would say, <laughs> um, and uh, this has sort of been a, a personal journey for me. And yeah. I, I think that, uh, you know, what you should do if, if you're on that path and you're, and you're seeking help, um, is just be brave enough to go and try it, go, mm -hmm. go and go and try it, go and try some of these therapies that, um, are, uh, are out there for you. Or maybe even be brave enough to say, I don't normally ask for help. But I'm having a tough time. Uh, I don't know what else to say. I mean, even just yeah. being able to get, ver you know, even verbalize something. So it gives someone that awareness, you know, because because mm -hmm. I think we all get pretty good at hiding our feelings. You know, even if they're oh, yeah. really, really, really big ones, we get really good at putting up that wall. Yeah. One of the bravest things you can do is be vulnerable. Yes. Right? Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we say that all the time. Chris, is there anything else that you wish we would have asked about? Or JJ, did you have any other last? Chris, is there anything else that you wish we would ask yeah. about? Yeah. So I, I, you know, uh, zooming up like to the you know thirty thousand foot view, uh, I've been reflecting on this a lot, and I've been thinking about what is the what is the one thing that if it changed, it would change the outcome for people like me in the future, and I I think just specific to the Minnesota, like in Minnesota, uh, the Army National Guard, if their funding for deployments required and they actually had the funding approved uh, for a post-deployment mandatory, you know, you will be at, you know, Camp Ripley, uh, you will be at Fort Snelling, you will be there for 30 days being evaluated with your, with your peers that you're deployed with. Uh, so you got that camaraderie just to make sure that you're set and you're good and we can reintegrate you. And if you're not, we'll be able to identify that and get you the resources. And, you know, maybe the stats that I'm talking about, those aren't true anymore in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything that you think our pod listeners could do to further that idea or just keep it in the mind? And if there's ever an opportunity, people should be talking about it. Yeah, if 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 people are connected into anybody who's a part of the the Senate or the Congress or can change policy and law for uh, the funding of uh, the deployment cycles for soldiers, I think that would make a huge that that would that would have a profound impact. Well, Chris, I'm I'm so appreciative of your time today and of your story. Um, it's just been. It's, it's an amazing, it's amazing to be able to know you and see how much of a thriving member of society you are, given what you've gone through. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. You're thank an you. inspiration. Yeah, you really are. Well, thanks for having me. And, um, I, like I, like I said, when I started, I hope it helps somebody. Did you enjoy this episode? Please go to your favorite podcast platform to subscribe, rate, and leave a review so others can discover it as well. Growing self-awareness is a lifelong journey, and there's always further to go. And it's better when we're all in it together. Please think of someone you know who could benefit from hearing today's conversation and share this episode with them. We can't thank you enough for listening. Until next time, happy exploring, seekers.